Hello, bookworms. Welcome to The Best Book Ever, the podcast where we talk about your favorite books. I'm your host, Julie Strauss, and today I'm talking to Jasmine Vias. Jasmine is an avid reader, an attorney, a privacy professional, a mom, and an aspiring children's book author. How is that for an incredible bio? But rest assured, this is an episode in which we will be talking about not working, about how we work too much, and about how our work does not define our worthiness. I loved talking to Jasmine about why the book Laziness Does Not Exist by Dr. Devin Price is the best book ever. Whether they read a book a day or a book a year, I love asking people to tell me about their favorite books. And that includes you, dear listener. What's your all-time favorite? Your desert island classic? What about the childhood favorite that you still know by heart? The mystery that took you by surprise? The biography that changed your way of thinking? Or the book club favorite that you can't stop thinking about? I'm looking for guests from all walks of life to talk to me about all kinds of books here on the show. Go to my website, juliewroteabook.com, and click on the button that says, Be a Guest on the Best Book Ever. I'm really looking forward to talking to you. Now, back to the show. Hi, Jasmine. Welcome to the Best Book Ever podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to have you here because you have been a guest already on my friend Malavika's podcast called Your Favorite Book. I adore Malavika. I think she's brilliant. Um, And we're going to get into the book you talked about with her. But before we go there, I want to ask you, will you share any other book podcasts that you love? Because I think book podcast listeners just want more, more, more. So do you have some favorites you could share with us? Mm-hmm. Um, I have a couple. So in addition to Malavika's podcast and this podcast, um, the uh, there's a book, uh, one called The Stacks, which is um, Tracy... Thomas, I think is her last name. Um, she is an, in, well, I think she's part of a network now, but she focuses on um, writers of color and especially black writers and always bringing in diversity into the conversation, which is something that I'm really passionate about as well. Um, and then there is one that I am forgetting the name of. It was the Modern Mrs. Darcy podcast, but now it is the Ann Vogel podcast. Yeah. Um, what should like, I read next? What should I read next? Yes. Yes. That one I really like. And uh, during the pandemic, I found a very relaxing hobby of like going bike riding and having that podcast on and just listening to people talk about books. Um, so yeah, those are the couple of the ones that I like. So when you were on your favorite book, you chose a book called What We Carry, which is a memoir by Maya Lang. And today we're talking about another nonfiction book. So I, my first question is automatically, um, two nonfiction books that you've declared publicly on podcasts (laughs) as your favorite books. Are you normally a nonfiction reader? You know, the funny thing is, I'm not. Um, I I do read a lot of memoir, but um, other than memoir, I don't read a lot of nonfiction. And uh, I I have to confess now the the favorite book thing, like I could just I just could never pick a favorite book. And so I always feel like there's the book that's on my mind right now. And that's stuck with me. But who knows, another book could come along and take its place very easily. So um, I read a lot. I read a 
mostly fiction, like I uh, was mentioning earlier, and um, historical fiction. I, I like to focus on writers of color. Um, I'm really interested in books about work. When you say that you are interested in work, books about work, do you mean that in terms of productivity or do you mean it in terms of like even in fiction, you're interested in books about work? Um, Even in fiction, Mm. uh, I'm interested in books about work and mostly like what does paid work mean to us Mm -hmm. and how can it be structured and what are the forces that affect it? Why are people motivated to work? What are, um, how has work, paid work changed over time? Um, so not really the productivity aspect, although like, you know, I'll listen to a podcast or something about that. I just don't see myself reading a whole book about that, uh, at least not in this stage of my life. Um, over the past year, so 2020, of course, everybody knows that that meant a lot of things to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And one thing that really resonated from that time was burnout. And it seemed like everybody was always having to do something. And, you know, myself, I'm a parent. Um, I work full time. I'm an attorney. I'm a certified privacy professional. And so like having to be both the uh, teacher and the tech support for my kids and mm. also work, I, I just felt tired a lot. And I felt like there was a lot on my plate and there wasn't a lot of downtime. Um, so there was that. And then there was just reckoning with my own personality, which is I just always want to be doing something. I always feel like I need to be achieving something. Like I have a very hard time just resting and doing nothing. Um, And I was interested in exploring that. And um, so those are a couple of things that drew me to even pick up this book. So let's talk about this book then. It's called Laziness Does Not Exist by Devin Price. Um, Can you give my listeners a a quick summary of what it is, what it's about? Sure. Um, So this book is by a social science researcher, Devin Price. So um, the book is about what they call the laziness lie. So the laziness lie is I'm worthless. I must work constantly with no breaks. My worth in life is my work and my productivity. And work has a moral value. And um, what this laziness lie, if we believe it, causes us to, um, it affects us in three ways. So one, like I said, our worth is our productivity. Um, Two, it makes us not trust our own feelings and limits. And three, which is related, you can always do more. And I think that anybody in our society can relate to this because we're in this environment where, you know, work has changed. Our, our work hours have changed. We're working longer. Um, if you want to advance in your career, you're doing things outside of work to advance your career. You know, you've got, if you have a family um, or kids, or if you're a caregiver for an elder or you have pets, I mean, many people have caregiving responsibilities and that seems like it's getting harder just because of, um, partly because of expectations and partly because of things like not having um, adequate parental paid leave and Mm. um, childcare options. Um, And then, um, so anyway, so this, this was kind of all just going around in my brain and this laziness lie really um, resonated with me because I thought, Oh gosh, like how many times have we browbeaten ourselves saying, Oh, I'm being lazy I'm just lazy. I was supposed to do this, but I got lazy. And it's like, 
this author really challenged me to reframe what I was calling laziness, like what it really was. And they say it, uh, what we call laziness can often be three things. And one is it can be depression. Two, it can be procrastination. And three, it can be apathy. It just brought me to, it made me think about my life and my expectations and myself in a different way. And it made me, um, in a way, I would say it's a self-help book, even though it's not Mm. really written that way. They, um, Dr. Price is a social science researcher or a, a psych, maybe it's a social psychologist. Anyway, they are um, a researcher. So there's, there's research in this book. So it's not just like, um, it's not a typical kind of self-help book. Um, but a lot of the uh, concepts that were explained made me walk away and think, gosh, I really got to work on myself in these areas because I think that, um, some of the ways that I'm feeling maybe are because of the expectations that I have of myself. Um, and I think that a lot of people can relate to that. So you walked away from this book browbeating yourself because you're so lazy about your mental well being. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I need to be doing more. I mean, can I have like a grid that I can check some, something right. off of? <laughs> yes. I think so, it sounds like you can relate. I mean, you've got oh my you know, a full time job, you're a parent, you've got a podcast. Do you see yourself on this matrix? Because you are someone, you know, I looked at your bio and I thought, Oh my God, what am I doing with my life? You know, you, you have this really incredible career and your mom. Yeah. And I, I think just like you, there's been so many times when I read someone else's bio or I, or I look at someone else's accomplishments and I think like, gosh, what am I doing with my life? When the funny thing is, you know, someone might look at me and think the same thing. And I think what we're all, um, a victim of, or what we're all uh, doing to ourselves is, um, you know, browbeating ourselves for not doing enough. And, uh, and that's exactly what this book advises us not to do. And in a weird way, I mean, if you can implement some of these things, you may find yourself becoming more creative, more fulfilled and, and possibly more productive, although I don't know if the author really wants us to reach that conclusion, um, yeah. because the author really is about, you know, um, lowering expectations of ourselves and, and um, accepting our limitations. I do think that there's something very rewarding about work. I like working hard. And I think that in the right conditions, just a lot of people really like the feeling of being immersed in work. I just think that sometimes we can approach it the wrong way and then it becomes too much. And I think we always have to check in with ourselves to see if it's too much or not. Were there practical steps that you took after you read this that, or anything specific that you did to change your life after you read this? So I got to admit <laughs> Right when I read it, which was a couple of months ago, I was like, I'm really going to implement this. I, I think this person should write a workbook because it, it, there were a lot of actionable steps in the book <laughs> that you could um, that you could do. Uh, unfortunately, I did not get as systematic as I had hoped, <laughs> but it, it, it does. I do still pause. And something like um, one of the things that the book talks about is when you there's an expectation that everybody has to have a side hustle. Like any activity mm -hmm. that you do cannot just be purely for the pleasure of it. You can't just 
do something and not be good at it. Um, and that is another way that we're placing demands on ourselves. And, um, and that's leading to, um, you know, it's just not healthy for us. And so I really try to now let myself be a beginner in things. Um, I um, Mm, play soccer as a hobby and, you know, not, I'm not a great player, honestly, but I really enjoy it. And so I try to just let myself, okay, this is something that I can enjoy and I do not have to be the best at it or, you know, um, same thing with Instagram. I mean, I started my book focused Instagram because I wanted to, because I was reading a lot during the pandemic and I wanted to bring attention to authors of color and other underrepresented authors. And um, this book made me think about like, well, what pressure am I putting on myself in this Instagram? Am I feeling like, oh, I don't have enough followers and, you know, is it really making a difference? And then um, now I'm at a place where I'm like, well, really, what is the point? And, you know, maybe I can make it just more for myself or, or like reduce some of my expectations about, um, about it and just try to do it for fun, just because I like discussing books. Mm-hmm. I, I like that you mentioned the productivity thing. What I was afraid of as I was reading this was I kept thinking, we're going to veer into and now that you're more relaxed, you will be more productive. Mm-hmm. And I was so afraid that's where we were going. And it didn't. It really did stick with this book stuck with you take care of yourself for the sake of taking care of yourself, not just so you can work harder. And and I really was happy that that was where we landed because I was... A, I was a little hesitant going in. I thought, oh, God, it's going to be yet another thing. I have to keep some sort of, I don't know, ch- online checklist about how how much I rested today or mm-hmm. something. Are you, have you read books like that where you, um, where it's it sort of, um, it, it browbeat you or it made you feel like, okay, this is homework so you can be, do more and be more. Yes. Yeah. I think it's a really common thing in a lot of books of, yeah, you're tired, but if you just work harder, you'll have more time. Yeah. You know, I'm really glad you brought that up because you're right. There are a lot of books out there that are, um, and I think toxic positive positivity is the right word, the right phrase. And one thing I liked about the book was that they, um, the author, Uh, talked about people, used a lot of examples about people who were non-binary or gender non-conforming. And uh, they raised an excellent point, which is that people who are minorities often have to feel like they have to work harder to prove themselves to Mm. get over the effects of discrimination. And of course, then that leads to more burnout. And that was something that I could relate to. And if we don't acknowledge some of these sort of structural barriers, then um, I think we're really doing people a disservice. Um, I love that they um, connected it to that in that this is not just about you and your life. This is about how you are going out into the world. I'm so glad you brought that up because that was a part that I wasn't at the top of my mind, but I, now that you remind me, it really was uh, effective the way that they talked about, you know, a person who is homeless and like what they have to go through every day, just to, just to survive, just to Mm -hmm. get through a day. And, um, how a lot of times in our society, we, we 
put this like moral value on work and then by extension on poverty. And, you know, that's something that we see even just in our social policies, um, in our schools, in just many areas of life. Uh, we see that, you know, there is this equation of, um, of working, being able to work, morality and worth. And so mm-hmm. no wonder we are all internalizing this and, um, and, you know, really pushing ourselves to, to just always be doing, always striving. Um, yes. Which, you know, can be unhealthy. How do you handle that as a parent? I find that to be a very fine line to walk. Absolutely. And I, and I was a little bit dreading it when you said, you know, how do you do it? Because I, I don't know. I really don't know the answer. No, like you said, I. there is a huge value to having to understand, you know, when you have a block of time, what am I going to do with myself? How do I organize myself? And um, I have read about kids who don't get a lot of unstructured time and how they then struggle when they go to college because they just don't really know what to do with themselves when they're not completely scheduled with activities. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, in 2020 and, and even this year with kids being v- virtual schooling and um, parents e- trying to work from home, sometimes when your kid's telling you, I'm bored, I'm bored, you think of something for them to do. Cause you're like, I've got to focus on my work, you know, right. go read this book or go draw this thing or, you know, watch TV. And I I feel like TV time was really the nice quiet time that my husband and I got to focus on our work and get everything done that we, you know, hadn't gotten done earlier in the day, even if we had started on it. Yeah. yeah. We didn't have that quiet focus time. So I really don't know the answer. I mean, I think for me, I am a creative person like you. Um, I I love to um, draw and well, more, more, I would say painting and um, the embroidery and uh, just making stuff. I guess I would say I'm a maker. And um, I try to always have art supplies in the house so that they can, and stuff that they can access Mm -hmm. so that they can make stuff. And I guess it helps that I have a higher tolerance for mess than some people. And (laughs) I will never win the clean house award. Yeah. (laughs) Well, in our, see, that's another thing, isn't it? That's another way we've been taught that our work ethic equates goodness. Cause we do have this, gosh, I'll never have, cause I have the same feeling. Like, I guess I'll never have a clean house. So what, well, who the hell cares if my kids are happy? Why do I care? Ugh, I mean, I God, really think that we get circle. that message and, you know, uh, of course, like last year, people were not able to socialize as much, but now when people are able to visit each other at home, then it's, you know, then you're thinking, oh, like I had a bunch of family in town this year. And I was like, oh, God, I hope they're not judging me for my messy house, but I just cannot <laughs> get to everything. And, you know, my husband pitches in, too. But just with with all of us in a small space, it never really got super clean. And um, and one of my friends reminded me, just tell them that your house is a it's a school. It's an office. It's a house. It's a playground. So it's just everything right now. It's and everything. it's not going to be I don't know. I think we have so many of these cultural messages ingrained, like you're saying, you know, having a clean house is a sign of being, you know, worthy or a moral person. Right. And a we just really mom. have to. I, Right. Yeah. Being a good mom. And, um, and I think we have to identify these things and be very conscious about saying, well, that's not my value. Like Mm. that's not important to me, or that doesn't say anything about my value, the state of my house or how clean it is. 
So then to stay on the busyness question, then you as a, as a woman with, I mean, I think being an attorney, it has always seemed to me like a very intense job and you have a lot of kids. How do you find the time or make the time to read so much? How does, how are you able to fit reading into such a busy life? Um, it's, it's not a great healthy answer, but a lot of times I re- I stay up late and read Yeah, because that's the time when I have quiet time and I can read. And then, um, I also do a lot of eBooks. So like uh, on my phone, like here and there, you know, when I have some downtime, I'll read then. Um, but I just, uh, I, I enjoy it so much that to me, it's worth it to, to make those sacrifices. Yeah. And, but again, like this book, um, why it resonated so much with me is that even something like reading that's fun can get this moral value attached. Like, oh, well, I've got to read these books. And, you know, I've, um, I I think for some people, they feel like, well, I'm not reading enough. And it's like, well, who cares? If you like watching TV, watch TV. If you like, you know, going outside and going biking, do that, you know, like do, do what makes you happy. And if it's not reading, it's fine. You know? Well, I'm really glad you said that because that's what I was getting at is so you treat reading as one of your fun hobbies then, not as a challenge or a job or anything like that? I I try not to, although Mm -hmm. sometimes I get arcs and I'm like, well, I've got to review this arc. And then I'm thinking, but I don't like the book. And, you know, so that can be a little bit of a struggle sometimes. Tell me, what are you reading right now? Um, I am reading a, a book called uh, Two Spies in Caracas. What is that? Um, I've never heard of it. It is, uh, it's an ARC. It's an Amazon, Amazon published it. We should tell my listeners, t- tell us what an ARC means. Oh, an advanced reader copy. Which is something that publishers send to you because you are a book reviewer. Is that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Although now that I think about it, this is, um, Amazon has this thing called first reads. And if you're a prime member, then you can get um, access to read certain books early that they've selected. Mm-hmm. Um, I go back and forth with Amazon. I mean, I sometimes I'm a prime member, sometimes I'm not because I just, there's some things about the company that I don't support. Um, but this book, I, I will, I will support because it's, it's, a spy novel. It's a thriller, but it also integrates the rise of um, Hugo Chavez in Venezuela, which is something that I did not know a lot about. Mm-hmm. And it integrates true um, true events from his rise to power with uh, some fictional characters. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I, I, like, on my own, I'm not really one to sit down and pick up a history book to read. I might listen to a podcast, but not a book. But when I read a book like this and then I think, oh my gosh, like that happened. Wow. And then I'll look it up and I'm like, whoa, that really did happen. They really did have this huge mudslide that washed out all these villages. And, you know, he really did uh, tell people to go out and vote when that happened. And yeah. So, um, so that's been a really interesting read. Yeah. How about you? What are you reading? I feel like I'm not asking you enough questions. I I, want to know about you. Actually, I just picked up um, Joan Didion's Slouching Toward Bethlehem, um, which uh-huh. uh, my library is open again 
which I cried a lot on my first day back in there. And I just kind of walked around touching things. <laughs> it's so and, relate because I, oh, um, when I saw that my library was open, I haven't been able to get in there because the timing didn't work out. It hasn't worked out yet, but I was thinking the same thing. Like when I go in there, I think I'm going to get a little teary and I oh. think I'm just going to feel this, you know, this deep sense of gratitude because thank God for books. Thank God. And and I love my library so much. And I love our librarians. I just, I love it. Fact, do they know you as a regular? They do. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and they were open during um, the pandemic and every time they came out, you know, they, they, they had this great system where you would open up your trunk and they would come around to the trunk and you're not supposed to have any contact, but I would always roll down my window and go, I miss you. And they'd be like, <laughs> we miss you. (laughs) I love that. My favorite thing to do is when I go up to check out the books, they would, you know, scan through it and go, Oh, I read this one. It's great. Or I didn't like this one. I can't wait to hear what you think. And we, Oh gosh, I missed them. So that sounds so awesome. Your library sounds great. It's so good. So I got, of course, about a thousand more books than I could possibly read in the three weeks. <laughs> I'm time. glad I'm not the only one who does that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so ridiculous. But um, I just started yesterday um, slouching towards Bethlehem by um, Joan Didion, which I love her so much. And the other one that I got, oh, you know what else I have is Liberty by Caitlin Greenidge, which. Oh, um, yeah. I, that I yet? Have- I am like two thirds of the way through and then I, I put it down and I need to pick it up again. So you um, didn't stop because you disliked it. You just got distracted by something else. Yes. I, I okay. tend to read a bunch of different books at once and yeah. it's like things just come to the top of the pile and I'm like, okay, I'm going to put this one aside and then start another one. And then I like sort of forget that. <laughs> and then I go back to it later. Yeah. So me too. Um, not, not the best way to read books, but I don't, I, at this point, I don't know how to stop doing that. <laughs> I know. I don't either. I get so scattered. And you know what I just listened to on audio was um, Britt Marie was here. Do you ever read oh, yeah, Frederick Bachman? Yeah. I have. I actually don't listen to a lot of audiobooks, but I think that one I did listen to on audiobook. Oh, did you? Yeah, I liked yeah, it on audio. And I cried and I was like, I don't. Who cares about stupid soccer? Who cares about sport? You care about soccer. You must have loved it. Yeah, I'm like, this lady does. You. So you must have really liked it because I loved it and I don't, I couldn't care less about soccer. I couldn't believe how much he made me care about this soccer team. Well, I mean, I think that was the magic of that book is um, I'm always drawn to like oddballs come together me and, too. And it's heartwarming, you know, like I, I like that story. And um, Frederick Bachman tells that really well. Yeah. Like, especially when it's like a crotchety old person. I mean, it doesn't have to be an old person. Young people can be crotchety too. But um, just the connections that the people built. Um, yes. And soccer was just, just happened to be the thing, you know. Yeah. Um, I like that. Now, have you read a lot of his books? Because I've only read the two. I've only read A Man Called Uva and... Brit Marie. I started Beartown, but I I didn't get through it. And I feel like everyone loved that one, but I was just like, meh on it. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, so what, um, what's the Joan Didion book about? Well, it's a collection of essays mm-hmm. and I have just always liked her style. And particularly when she writes about California, she really kind of gets the crazy moods. She 
I read two books in a row that talked about the Santa Ana winds of California, and it's just a really specific madness. It's funny you say that because it's such a specific thing to Southern California. Yeah. And I haven't read any of her work, but you telling me that makes me want to pick up, uh, pick up that book and read about the Santa Ana winds. Cause you're right. It is, it's like a restlessness. It's hot. It's, yes. you know, everyone's worried about fires and it's a yes. very uh, specific Southern California kind of feeling. <laughs> Why don't you tell my listeners where they can find you in your beautiful Instagram account? Oh, thank you. Um, on, on Instagram, I'm at book blanket fort. Like, you know, you make a blanket fort. Some people like making blanket forts. Mine is made out of books. So it's book blanket fort. And I also review books on Goodreads at book blanket fort as well. Can I ask you why focusing on authors of color is such a priority for you and when that became your focus? Um, you know, I am a person of color myself. So I, and I was always a big reader and, um, it was rare to see somebody who looked like me in a book. Um, and I, I just really craved that. And when I was in college, I read, um, Jhumpa Lahiri's, uh, what was her first one? The Interpreter of Maladies. It, it's a it's a short story collection by an Indian American author, and um, it, like to me that was just so revolutionary. Like seeing a book, reading a book that was a real published book, not like some mm-hmm. you know thing bound together at Kinko's with like a plastic, uh, <laughs> uh, like I don't even know what you call those, this plastic binding. Yeah. I know exactly thing. what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, it was like, oh, this is a real book. It's a real paperback. And it just made me feel so seen. And as I, um, you know, as I became more aware, I think, as a reader of the fact that there was so much missing in the world of books, I really started to seek it out. And um, then as I think about, like, what are, what's on the bestseller lists and just sort of like what books get the most attention and marketing, what stories are at the forefront in our culture, I, I notice that they're often not uh, people of color mm-hmm. or people of, you know, uh, from a minority religion or from or, you know, who are um, LGBTQ plus um, and so I, I just felt like, gosh, there are so many good stories out there that are not getting enough attention. And my hope was, you know, that I could shed some light on some of these stories that that were getting less attention and that I felt um, needed more attention. So that was sort of where it came from. I love it. This has been such a delight talking to you. And I hope you will come back anytime you have a book you want to talk about. That's so awesome. Well, I, I... I told Malavika this and I'll tell you this. I really like discussing books, but I also don't like being bound to a book club when I have to like read books that I don't like. (laughs) So I guess that's kind of bratty of me. But um, so if I get to pick a book and the other person agrees that they will read it and then we get to talk about it, that's like striking gold for me. So I, I really appreciate you having me on. And you're going to bounce between my Malavika every month for the rest of your life. I know. It's like, oh, I've had like 10 books that I want to discuss. <laughs> you guys will probably have to block me or something like, oh, an email from her again. <laughs> or we'll call each other and go, you get her this month. <laughs> Yeah, I would love it. I mean, I I love that, you know, you have provided a way for people to connect uh, over, even if they can't be in person, um, Mm -hmm. connect. 
And one thing that I do a lot is if I have read a book and I'm like, God, I really want to talk about this and I don't have anyone, I will look in podcasts and I'll be like, who has discussed this book? And then I kind of feel like I'm having a conversation. So you oh, book podcasters really are doing um, all of us book lovers. Uh, <laughs> you know, you're giving us such a gift by um, talking about these books and, and letting us oh. listen to these conversations. Well, it is my favorite thing in the world to do. So I feel like I sort of struck gold that I actually get to talk to people to about yeah. books. It's perfect. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me today. It has been an absolute delight talking to you. I'm so glad we got to meet and, and talk. I will be, you know, messaging you if I read any books that I like and you, you do the same. I can't wait. Sounds good. Thanks for listening, Bookworms. For more information on this episode and links to all the books we discussed, please go to our website, bestbookeverpodcast.com. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at bestbookeverpodcast. I'm your host, Julie Strauss, and you can find me everywhere as Julie Wrote a Book. If you'd like to hear more from this week's guest, become a patron of the Best Book Ever podcast. For about the cost of a latte, you'll get exclusive interview clips, monthly book roundups, and curated reading lists. Go to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash best book ever to learn more. Thanks for joining me today, and I will see you at the library.